Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. For more information on the Exchange Church, go to IamTheExchange.com. Have you ever listened to a song and thought to yourself, man, that would preach? We did too. The following series is entitled Bible in the Billboards. Today's message is by one of our executive pastors, Kevin Kelts. Psalms chapter 71. So get your Bibles out, turn to Psalms chapter 71, and we're going to continue our sermon series that Pastor Jared started last week called Bible in the Billboards. Bible in the Billboards. If you weren't here and didn't get to hear that message, Pastor Jared, it was just an awesome message. I know you'll be blessed. Go to our, our webpage and check it out. Um, we're going we're gonna, to, he talked about the song, Ironic. It's like rain on your wedding day. As soon as he started saying the words to last week, I was like, oh man, that's from my generation. I started singing. So uh, this morning, I have a song for you. We're going to be talking about Bible in the billboards. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And uh, if you remember two weeks ago, I, I was able to share a message with you guys about expectations. Everybody say expectations. 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 And even more specifically, uh, we talked about unmet expectations. So uh, in your life, when you come in contact with people, when you get a job, when you have relationships, all of a sudden you start to develop these expectations. And what happens is a lot of times, and uh, there's a lot of people that don't even realize this, they live in a gap between what they are expecting and what they are experiencing. So life is totally different than you expected. You are in a place and you're like, I'm so frustrated because I never expected my relationship to turn out like this. I'm, I'm experiencing something that's different from my expectations. And the gap between that is called frustration. Everybody say frustration. All right, And we talked about this, these two ladies in the Bible, their sisters, Mary and Martha. And uh, Martha had a problem with her sister because Mary would not come and help her cook supper for Jesus in the kitchen. And she was frustrated. She had an expectation, you're supposed to help me. And she was frustrated because she wasn't meeting the expectation. Uh, if you haven't heard that message yet, go to our, our webpage too and listen to that too. You'll be, you'll be blessed by it. Well, today we're going to talk about those ladies again. And we're going to talk about expectations, but listen, we're going to talk more specifically about what happens when God is the center of your expectation and he doesn't come through. You're like, God, I expected you to do something. I, I, I prayed, and it seems like that prayer fell flat when it seems like the God who loves us doesn't provide the way that we hoped for. What do you do then? Sometimes we pray these prayers that sounds a lot like Psalms chapter 71. I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible Translation, and I love this. You may be able to relate to this prayer that's recorded in the Word of God. It says this, Lord, you are my refuge. Listen to these next four words. Don't let me down. Have you ever prayed like that before? Have you ever been in a difficult situation and you needed God? God, this is an emergency. 
God, I need you so bad right now. Don't let me down. Save me from my enemies, for you are just, he, he says this, rescue me. Bend down your ear, Lord, and please listen to my plea and save me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the power of your word. And we know, Lord, that you have given us an ear to hear. And Father, we pray that as your word is delivered to us this morning, Father, there is a message within the message, and you begin to come in and speak to our hearts. You begin to change our perspectives. You begin to change our lives. And we'll be careful to give you all the honor and all the praise. And we ask this this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, don't let me down. And you can be seated. Don't let me down. Everybody say, don't let me down. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one that has had a relationship with God? And I have been in a situation where I need it. God, I need you so bad right now. Please, Lord, don't let me down. I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 11. The Gospel of John, we're going to be in John chapter 11 this morning, and we're going to look at another story about these two crazy sisters, Mary and Martha. They had a brother, his name was Lazarus, and when I go and study this, my Bible, and uh, right before John 11, the title of this story is The Death of Lazarus. So to Mary and Martha, if they were reading this this morning, it would say, The Death of Your Brother. That's a horrible thing. That's a, a place that is very difficult. Lazarus is brother of Mary and Martha, and this is a real-life story about Lazarus being so sick, he is on his deathbed. He is about to die. And Mary and Martha know what they need to do. They reach out to the one who is the healer, the one that they love, the one that they have a relationship, the one that was just over at their house not too long ago eating Martha's famous casserole. We, we know who to reach out to, right? And we pick up the story in John chapter 11, verse 1. And, and let me just take you on a journey this morning as we get scripture by scripture through this story. John chapter 11, verse 1. We'll put it up on the Sky Bible for you. And it says this, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So two weeks ago, we talked about Martha was upset, and she had a disappointed um, uh, experience. She had an expectation, and she was living life in a place where she was experiencing something that was different from her expectation, and she was frustrated. Well, how many know it just went up to a new level? Okay, that's kind of like a, okay, everyday thing. This doesn't happen every day. Your brother doesn't get so sick every day. He's about to die. And this is where she's experiencing. In verse 2, it's very interesting to me. If you're reading your Bible, it's in parentheses. And the author of the uh, Gospel of John is John. And he, he wants to tell us something. He wants to add something as he is telling us this story. He says, this, Mary, in quotation marks, I want to let you know this is the brother whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. When I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, these authors, they write with purpose, and this man was inspired by God to write this scripture, and we're looking at it, and I'm like, John, why did you just tell us something that's gonna, that hasn't even happened yet? 
Okay, he's recording all this after it happened, but he wants to let us know. In the Bible, it hasn't even happened. If you have never read the Bible before and you're going in chronological order, this thing hasn't happened, but he wants us to know it's going to happen. And I'm like, John, why are you doing that? She hasn't done this, but John wants us to know for some reason that she did something for Jesus. And in verse 3, it says, So the sisters sent the word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Mary and Martha, they write a letter, they reach out to Jesus, and they said, Lord, we really need you right now. It's an emergency. God, we need you. Lord, our brother is about to die. We need you right now. It reminds me of a song that I heard on the radio recently, and I'm going to play it for you right now. It's called Don't Let Me Down. Look at, the, look at the lyrics. It's almost like Mary and Martha wrote this song. And to me, I was hearing this song, and I'm like, it's almost like these ladies wrote this song, right? I need a miracle. Where are you right now? I need you. I need you right now. Don't let me down. Where, like, where is Jesus at, right? I, we, we need him. And they send this, this letter, and, 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 and it gets to Jesus. And when they send this emergency letter, and they say, Lord, we need you. I need you. I need you. I need you right now. I need you right now. It's like, man. They send this, verse 4 says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness, so the letter gets to him, okay, and Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death, no, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So I want you to pause for a moment, and I want you to imagine you've never heard this story before. You don't know how this thing turns out. Because it's very interesting to me how John is unfolding the story to us. It's very interesting to me that he tells us, he wants to let us know that Lazarus has connections. And he is connected to Jesus. And Jesus loves Lazarus. In fact, when Mary and Martha send the letter, or today it would be a text message, when they send that to Jesus, they don't even say Lazarus is sick. They say the one that you love. And that's very presumptuous. That's very kind of cocky because Jesus loves everybody. That Jesus would know when he gets the text message, when he gets the message, that he knows automatically it's, it's Lazarus. John wants us to know that he is connected. Yeah. 
He is connected. There is a connection here. And what starts to happen as a reader, me, when I'm reading this, I start to go, okay, wow, this is amazing. In, in my mind, I am expecting probably what Mary and Martha are expecting. The expectation is building up. I love Jesus. Jesus loves us. We have a relationship with Jesus. When he gets this message, he's going to come and fix everything. That's my expectation. Let me stop here for a moment and ask you a question. Who are the people that you expect the most from in your life? Think about people right now. Who are the ones, who comes to mind, the people that you expect the most from in your life? I, I would suggest whoever you thought of, when I asked that question, would fall into two categories. The first one is the people that we expect the most from are those people who we've done the most for. Right? Like, I've done a lot for you, man. Don't let me do a lot for you, and then in my time of need, you're not there. Like, I've done a lot for you. I've established a relationship with you, and so if I do for you, I, we're not strangers anymore. You need to do for me. So we have an expectation when you build a relationship, when you start to do things for people, they're going to do stuff for you. The second category of people that you expect a lot from is people who have already done the most for us. They just already stepped out. Like, like, for a great example is this. I have four children, okay? I'm looking at Caitlin on the front row right now. Listen, my kids don't ever ask me for food when it's lunchtime. They just inform me that they're hungry, right? Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? Like, I've just established something here. Even as a child, I established that to when they even couldn't talk, they would just tell me that they were hungry by going, mm, mm, and I was like, oh, okay. My daughter, Kinsey, her first word, we were in a Hispanic church at the time. I was a youth pastor, and uh, she was going to the daycare there. And so her first words were Spanish. And so we would look at her, and she'd go, papa, papa, papa. And I was like, oh, her first word is dad. Lisa goes, no, she's hungry. She didn't say, I need you right now. I need you to give me something. Just said, I'm hungry. And we had already established a pattern that had started there. Now, listen, that's the two types of people that you expect the most from. Jesus in this story fits both of those categories. We already read a story two weeks ago about how they had Jesus over. He's a friend of theirs. They fed him. They have a relationship with him. They've done stuff for his ministry. They've supported him. They've done stuff for him. So they're already expecting, you're going to do stuff for me too, Jesus, right? And then, not only that, Jesus has already established on the earth in his ministry up to this point, doing miracle after miracle after miracle. They know, people know, this guy does stuff. He heals people. And so he's already established that. So they have great expectations of Jesus. They are looking at him and they are like, man, when we reach out to Jesus, I have an expectation that he's going to come through in the clutch. He is going to answer us. He is going to help us out. And so as I'm reading this, as a reader, my expectation is getting really, really high. And I'm like, this is so cool, John, how you're revealing this and exposing this story to me. And I get to verse six. And I, I, I read it and it says, so when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he got up and he set out to Bethany, taking the 12 with him. And when he came to the place where Lazarus was lying, he placed his hands on Lazarus and Lazarus was healed. End of story. Wait, 
Is that what your Bible says? That's what I expect it to say. But I just tricked you. That's not what that verse says. <laughs> verse 6 is very disappointing. It says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. That's disappointing. What? I'm reading my Bible and I'm thinking, that's not, that's a twist. Like, this isn't happening. What is Jesus doing? I'm confused. John, you spent five verses getting my expectations up that we're about to see another healing miracle. Mary and Martha need a miracle. I need you. I need you right now. God, don't let me down. Don't let me down. We're about to see Jesus' compassion in action. That's what I'm expecting. Instead, we don't see that at all. And one of the reasons I'm so disappointed is because of the, the words that are used in verse 6. I'll read it to you again. It doesn't say but. It doesn't start out and say but when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick because that would mean that, okay, there's tons of people on the earth that were sick at that time and Jesus was busy, you know, so he couldn't, he is only a man and he can only be in one place at one time. So, okay, but I, I heard what was happening, but I got all this other stuff to do, so I can't be there right now. It's not what it says. The words that it uses is so. This signifies causation. Let me read verse 5 again. Now Jesus loved Mary and Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 6, so when he heard, he stayed? That's not how it should go. I mean, think about this, guys. When you are, are, are in a relationship with Jesus and he hears that there's a problem, he should run on the scene. Super Jesus, right? Healing people. Oh, I'm Jesus. That's how it should go down. One thing that we know from the rest of Jesus' ministry is that Jesus didn't even have to go for this to happen. There was one time uh, a guy said, my servant is sick and, and, and I want, he needs to be healed. And, and Jesus is like, uh, he says, you don't even have to go. Just send the word. And Jesus sends the word and that man is healed. So if Jesus would have wanted to, he didn't even have to be there. He could have sent the word. He could have just sent a handkerchief. He could have spit a loogie and put it in a handkerchief and go, here you go. Jesus healed with spit sometimes. But that's not what the word of God says. And as a reader, I'm disappointed. And I can't imagine how frustrated Mary and Martha are. Because listen, they don't know the end of the story. They're living this. Lazarus is on his deathbed and you're not coming I need you right now, not tomorrow. Tomorrow he'll be dead. I need you right now, Jesus. Don't you understand? Answer my prayer. Come. And, and, and in verse 6, it goes on and it says, So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, the one that he loved was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, listen, after two days, after he missed the opportunity to perform the miracle that Mary and Martha needed, he says, now let's go back to Judea. A day late and a dollar short. Something's happened that they can't imagine that, he would, they, that Jesus would allow to happen. Verse 8, it says, but Rabbi, the disciples said a short while ago, 
the Jews there tried to stone you, and, and you're going back. And Jesus answered and says, Are there not twelve hours in daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. Verse 10, it's when a person walks through that night and stumble, for they have no light. Verse 11, after he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus, so he does love Lazarus. Like, there hasn't been a fight, and they're on the outs that we didn't know about. He says, Our friend. This is, this is a, a person that I love. This, this is my friend. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I'm going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better, right? Verse 13, Jesus has been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Verse 14, so then he told them very plainly, Lazarus is dead. right? He's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Verse 16, then Thomas, also known as Didymus. Oh, Diddy. Oh, Diddy speaks up. Diddy is dramatic, right? He He steps up and he says, let us also go that we may die with him. Like, all right, Diddy, getting a little dramatic. (laughs) <laughs> right? This next week, if you're walking through live and somebody starts to get a little drama, bring in a little drama, say, ah, oh, slow down, Diddy. All right? Diddy's getting a little dramatic. Then we may die with him. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus was dead. He had already been in the tomb for four days. How many days? How many days? It's very important that you understand that it's four days. It goes into what we're going to talk about today. You see, the Jewish people believe that on the third day after death, that's when the spirit left the body. So in the Old Testament, you can go and study and you'll find out that there were several resurrections from the dead, but they were really just resuscitations. That's what the Jewish people believe. They hadn't been dead for three days. And so... They were just resuscitated. And listen, up until this point, this has never happened. Nobody's ever been dead for this long where the Jewish people believed that they were dead, 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 really, really dead, okay? And now Lazarus is really, really dead. They're like, wow, his spirit has completely left. On the fourth day, Jesus says, this looks like a good time for me now to step into this situation. And what bugs me about this is a few verses ago, Jesus had plainly said, this sickness will not end in death. But it did, right? He's He's, he's dead, and so as a reader, I'm frustrated. As a reader, I am disappointed, which leads me to make this statement. And if you take notes, write this down today. It's a very important statement, and I'm not going to stutter at all. I'm going to give it to you plainly. This may not be popular, but I need to tell you how it is. Following Jesus can sometimes be a very disappointing experience. I know that's not popular to preach, You're like, oh, Pastor Kevin, what's the rest of that sentence, right? God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Not today. Not not to Mary and Martha. Following Jesus can sometimes be a very disappointing experience, guys. And it makes me think about one time when I went to uh, clothes shopping. And let me just ask you, I don't know if this just happens to me, but have you ever gone to a store and you tried something on in the store and it looked really, really good? So you purchased it and then you went home 
and you were going to wear it a certain day, so you put that thing on, and you stand in front of your mirror, and it doesn't look as good as it did in the store. Have that ever happened to you guys? You're like, what's going on? That's happened to me over and over, right? And so I was talking to my buddy who worked at a major department store for years and years and years, and I said, I said, Skylar, dude, <laughs> what's up, man? Like, I put this shirt on or put these pants on, and, man, I look good there. He goes, dude, it's all the lights, bro. I go, because when I get home, it looks different. He goes, yeah, it's the lights. He goes, it's a science. We have different lights, and we have different mirrors. He goes, we, this company has spent millions of dollars studying the science of lighting, and it is, they put these lights in a place where it reflects off the clothes that makes you look skinnier than you really are. And the mirrors that we have are designed to, when you look at it, it makes you look skinnier than you really are. I thought, man, this is such a scam. Why didn't anybody tell me about this? And I went home and I started thinking about this. I hope we as preachers, I hope we as the church, don't do that to people. You know what I mean? Like when they come to church and, and we have the lights going and we have, you know, the worship going and we're talking about all things are possible, right? And we're singing, you know, if God is for us, who could ever be against us? And we're really going and all of a sudden, you know, Pastor Kevin gets up and says, oh, I don't know what's going on in your life, but God always has the last, last decision. And I'm telling you right now, whatever you're going through, God's going to come through for you. And you're like, that's right. Oh, my God. And it looks great here. And then you go home and the person that you've been praying for, the test results come back. There's been no change and they die. And you get this on at home, this Christianity, and you're like, this doesn't look anything like it did at the church. Like, like what, what's going on? I, did, I didn't expect to have to go through all of these different things that I'm going through, Pastor. Why does it look different? I need to say something about this story that we're reading because let's don't forget that although all the Bible scholars in the room know that Lazarus is raised from the dead at the end of the story, please on the, focus on the fact this morning and look at Mary and Martha. Their brother died and Jesus did nothing about it. That's where we're at in the story. Lazarus is completely dead, and Mary and Martha do not know what's coming next in the story. They haven't read the Bible. They don't know that the passage ends with something awesome, because we have, we have that luxury. Oh, yeah, but you know, he's raised from the dead. They don't know that right now he's dead, and they are so disappointed. They're so disappointed. The one that was supposed to heal didn't heal. The one that did so, they had done so much for. They had cooked a casserole for. The one that John tells us about what Mary is about to do in the next passage of Scripture. They did all that stuff. And they don't get the favorite that they thought they were going to get. There's a gap between what they expected and what they're experiencing. Have you ever been here before? Have you ever lived life in that moment? Seems like Mary and Martha needed Jesus and he just doesn't come through. He could have sent his word. He didn't. He could have sent a handkerchief. He didn't. And when he doesn't fulfill their frustration, uh, their, their expectation, it is frustrating. It's so frustrating. It's challenging. And so I want you to see in the Bible day to, today and realize that if you're a follower of Jesus, there are going to be times when you are going to be disappointed. 
where you're going to be frustrated, where it's going to hurt. You may not have been told this when you started. Somebody may have told you, oh, if you'll just come down here and give your life to Jesus, all your finances are going to be great. And you know what? Your kids are just going to quote scriptures all the time. And if you and your wife get in a tussle, you'll just go in the bedroom and start playing your harp and singing Kumbaya. And y'all will quote the 23rd Psalm in Hebrew to each other. If that's what somebody told you, you're going to be greatly disappointed. It's not all roses. It doesn't always go the way that we want it to go. And what's really interesting is that although Jesus, in Jesus' ministry, he was awesome. We see these great miracles. He was a master of disappointments. From the time he was born, it was disappointing. I mean, they wanted Jesus to be born in a royal palace. Nope, he's born in a barn. That's disappointing, Right? What? The people wanted him to be born in a palace. A barn? No, that's disappointing. They wanted him to be born of a natural union between a man and a woman. That would make sense. Nope. He was born of a virgin birth from a teenage girl from a hick town. It's disappointing. Like, what's going on here? Jesus was a little boy, and he was coming home from temple with his parents, and he was supposed to be walking with his parents. And all of a sudden, Joseph and Mary look around, and they can't find Jesus anywhere. This is their son. He's supposed to be listening to them. They look and look and look and look. They finally find him. He's back at the temple, and he is arguing there with the rabbis, and they scolded him for it. That's disappointing. They were disappointed with their son. One time Jesus stood in the synagogue and he opened up the book of Isaiah and he began to read the scroll like he was a prophet. And he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind. And when all of the people heard him saying that, they were furious because he was speaking like he was a prophet and they didn't know him as a prophet. All they knew him as, that's Joseph's son. Who does he think he is? They were disappointed. disappointments all throughout Jesus's ministry in his life. Peter was disappointed with Jesus, greatly disappointed. One time, Peter's mother-in-law was sick, and Jesus healed her, and Peter was disappointed. <laughs> in fact, they think, some theologians think that's why Jesus, he denied Jesus. One time Jesus fed the, the multitudes, and he multiplied the fish and the loaves, and everybody thought that was great. That's awesome. And, and, and another time comes up, and, and, and they want him to do the same thing. And then this time, he doesn't multiply the fish and the loaves. He stands up and says, I'm the bread of life. And they're like, no, 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 no. We, we don't want you to be that kind of king. We want you to be our burger king. We want it our way. <laughs> Give us more fish and chips. And talking about Peter, I mean, Peter was disappointed with Jesus. He wanted to be a general in the army of the living Lord, not a disciple of a dead one. Jesus was so disappointing. The crowds were so disappointed with Jesus. One time, when he first comes into the town, Palm Sunday, they're cheering and they're screaming, Hosanna, yeah, Hosanna, which is an expression of joy and love and praise. But by the week when Jesus is hanging on a cross, he's being mocked, he's being beaten, he's wearing a crown of thorns, uh, he's not a royal crown, a spender, but a, a, a sinner's crown, they were shouting, crucify him. 
They're looking at Jesus in that moment like he was supposed to deliver us from this type of oppression, but now he's a victim of the same oppression. He was supposed to deliver us from him. Crucify that chump. It was disappointing. Everywhere throughout the Bible, it seems like Jesus is a disappointment. He's disappointing. He disappointed everybody except the one that he came to please and to serve, his father. And when Jesus is explaining why he won't go to Lazarus right away, he gives us some inside knowledge behind the plan. You see, when somebody has a different plan than you, please listen to this. It's disappointing when you find out their plan is not the same as the one that you have, especially if that person is in a place of power, right? And that's the case with Jesus. But sometimes when somebody has a different plan than the plan of you, it's because they have a different perspective than you. See, here it is in, in, in verse 4. It says, when he heard, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory. That's, that's what it's for. It's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified. Do you know why sometimes God's plan doesn't match with our plan and we're disappointed with our expectations of Jesus? It's because God's perspective is different than our perspective. And while we're on the subject, thinking about it, I mean, really, if anybody is disappointing anybody's expectations, we're the ones who have way more disappointments in our lives than as far as the way that we have behaved and the things that we've done in our life. I mean, I mean, just think about it, guys. If we were to uh, get what we deserve in our lives, the punishment that we deserve for all the things that we've done in our lives, we wouldn't be here this morning. But how many are glad and thankful and have a perspective that, God, I thank you that I'm I'm here this morning because of your mercy. Come on. I thank you that I'm here this morning because of your grace. I have a perspective, and although I may be going through something that I don't understand, and I may be really frustrated, God, I am living in a life that I don't deserve. But God, you said that I do because I'm your son. Your love never fails. You love me. It can be very disappointing to follow Jesus because he has plans that we don't understand. See, he hears that Mary and Martha need a miracle, that Lazarus needs a miracle, but instead of going, he stays, and it's very disappointing. It's because he has a perspective that we cannot see. It's because he has priorities oftentimes that we don't recognize. When our expectations are disappointed with the plans of God because they don't turn out the way that we thought it would turn out, guys, I'm telling you, as Christians, we have got to trust God and look for his perspective. We've got to not quit. We've got to keep on going and search for God's priority, and we pick up the story in verse 8. And we know that Jesus is too late, but I remind you that the story is not over. Just look at your neighbor and say, it ain't over. The story is not over. John gives us some geographical details in verse 18, and it says, Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mar Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus finally was coming, she went out to meet him. And after reading the story two weeks ago, everybody's like, of course she did. And I bet she met him with her hand on her hip. Like, where were you? Right? 
Where were you? She has a message for Jesus. In verse 21, she meets him at the gate and she is disappointed. She is frustrated. She is upset. And she says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, she was like, oh, how, how, how nice, Lord, for you to finally show up. Uh, you just had to take your time, but I needed you. Where have you been? I needed you, Jesus. She says, if you had been here, you know when we sent for you? That message that we sent to you, did you get it? Was your cell phone service a little spotty? Oh, you sure got the message when I was making casseroles. Oh, you came then, Jesus. But when you, we, we need you. Where were you? I needed you. Have you ever been here before, guys? I needed you, Jesus. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 22, but I know that even now, everybody say even now. Wow. Even now, God will give you whatever you ask. In verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother, he will rise again. Verse 24, Martha answered, well, I, I know, I, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Let's stop right here because, guys, this is where so many Christians, we get caught. Let me tell you this morning, you, you may be here this morning, you're disillusioned because you've been through a failed marriage or a marriage that's failing. And, and, and you, your expectations have been hit over and over and over, unmet expectations. You're so frustrated that you've gotten to the point where you've just said, you know what? If things would have been different, you're, you're, you're looking at the past. If things would have been different, you know what? Then maybe I could be happily married. But I guess that's just not God's plan for my life. And you've thrown your dreams away. You've thrown your expectations away. You, you're, you're starting to look at the past. You see, right here, she is hanging her expectations on the past, uh, uh, expectations of God and what he could have done on something that God didn't do, on something that she wanted to happen, and it could have happened, but it didn't happen, and so she is frustrated. She's hanging her expectations on something that happened in the past, and we've all been there. We've all said things like, you know, Lord, Lord. If, if, my, if my dad wouldn't have walked out on us, if my dad would have been there and not stepped out on us, and I would have been able to see what a godly father and husband looks like, then maybe I could be a faithful father. But that's not how it turned out, God. We've all said things like, if my parents would have stayed together, God, if you would have done something, if you would have kept my parents together, then you know what? Maybe I wouldn't be jumping around from house to house and be torn apart inside my heart and now struggling with who I am and what I'm supposed to do in my life. If you would have done something, or we say something like, God, if you would have protected me, you saw how vulnerable I was. You saw how young I was. You saw those people abusing me like they did, and you didn't stop them. If you would have stopped them, if you would have done something different in the past, God, maybe I would be something different today. And so we give up. No more expectations of life. No more, I can never be happily married again. Or, or God, you can heal this marriage. Or, you know, I, I, can, I can be a father that I'm supposed to be, or the husband I'm supposed to be. We just, we just give up. And Martha says, Jesus, if you would have came that day, my brother would be standing next 
to me now. If you would have done something different in the past, then I could have a different expectation today. And Jesus doesn't answer this. He doesn't even say a word to what she said. And it leads Martha to a different conclusion. Like, oh, okay, well, maybe that's not the way to go. And so she says in verse 22, but I know that even now, as late as you are, as frustrated as I am, even now, come on, somebody say even now. Even now, God will do whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. In other words, let's shut down this funeral and let's start a resurrection party. But now she's torn between not just the past, she switches it to the future. Martha answered, I know he will. I know he will. You see, sometimes as Christians, we get caught in things in the future too. We've been have so many unmet expectations. We just go, I can't have any more expectations anymore of, of better marriage or, or, or a better life or anything. Uh, but I know one day, you know, when you come back, there will be no more tears. It'll, it'll be, and we get caught in this polarity between these two things. And we never move forward. We, we just quit. We give up. Our marriages are going down the drains. Our finances are going down the drain. Our careers are going down the drain. And we don't even care. We have given up. But I came here with a word of encouragement for you today. Even now. Even now. Let me show you a video right quick. Watch this video. Receivers out to the right. Flutie flushed. Throws it down. Caught by Boston College. I don't believe it. It's a touchdown. The Eagles win it. Unbelievable. I don't believe it. Phelan is at the bottom of that pile. Here comes the Boston College team. He threw it into the end zone. There was no time left on the clock. The ball went between two defensive backs of Miami. 1984, it's the Orange Bowl. Boston College, huge underdog, is playing Miami Hurricanes. Miami Hurricanes just won the national championship the year before. Boston College is huge, huge underdogs. They're not supposed to win this game at all. And they stuck with them and stuck with them back and forth, back and forth. Everybody's watching the TV. You can even hear the commentator. He doesn't think there's a chance they're going to win this game. Doug Flutie drops back. This is called the greatest play in college sports. He drops back. He throws it six, over 60 yards. When there's no seconds left on the clock, they catch it. They win the game. Everybody goes crazy. I know a guy that was at this game. 100,000 people, he said, were there. He said it was crazy. He goes, we knew the Miami Hurricanes were just going to kill Boston College. There's no chance. And he goes, it's going back and forth, back and forth. And he goes, I'll tell you something that's crazy. He goes, I almost missed that play. <laughs> what are you talking about? You almost missed that play. He goes, if you imagine 100,000 people there, he goes, I was thinking the traffic is going to be crazy. <laughs> and Boston College is going to lose anyway. So he said in the third quarter, I thought about skipping out on this thing. He said, but something inside me said, no, just stay. It's kind of close. Listen, if he would have left, he would have missed the greatest 
college football play of all times. Guys, think about that. He would have missed what he was there to experience just because all he could think about was leaving. This is where Martha's at. This is where we're at in the day of disappointment, in the day of frustration. We want to quit. We want to leave. Listen, I'm telling you, don't miss out on what God wants you to experience right now because you're so focused on leaving, because you're so focused on getting out. Get your focus off of what your expectations do and start to open up your heart and say, you know what, God, start to have an an attitude. I believe that God is saying to us today, the miracle happens in your life when you stop looking for a way out of your situation and you start looking for a way for me to bring you through your situation. Come on, somebody. It's when you change your attitude. Think about it. Verse four, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death, but Lazarus dies. And I'm confused. And I'm like, Jesus, what are you talking about? I mean, I remember years ago, one of the political guys that was running, he said, uh, it depends on what your definition of is is. Do y'all remember that? Well, Jesus is saying it depends on what your definition of end is. Because he says, I'm still here. And although it looks like it's over, it ain't over, baby. Come on, somebody. Help me preach this morning. I'm telling you, Jesus comes on the end and he says, even now, come on. If I can get somebody just not to quit and believe that even now that you are here. You see, my expectation is not built upon something. It's built upon someone. And that was the attitude that Martha had. She says, I'm so frustrated and I want to quit and I want to run and my brother is dead and where were you at? But even now, my expectation is not on how it happens or something. It's on someone. The person that I need is still here. You're here, Jesus. You haven't left. Although it feels like you left me, although it feels like my expectations were completely down the drain, you are here. It took all of Martha's faith to get these words out in verse 22. But I know that even now, I came here to tell you this morning, God's word for you is don't leave early. I know the game. It it looks bad. I know your expectations are disappointed. You may be in a situation right now Just like Mary and Martha, your dream has died. I didn't expect my life to be like this. God, where were you? If you had done this, then it would be different. And God's saying, don't leave early. Stay like Martha and go to the gate. Listen, I've had people come to me since I've been here and say, Pastor, man, you just got to pray for me because the other day, man, I just cussed God out. I was like, he's a big boy. He can take it. He even knows what you're thinking. You don't have to hold it back. You meet him at the gate and say, where are you? Where are you? And cry if you have to cry. Hurt if you have to hurt. That's all a part of it. But what I'm saying is don't leave early. Don't quit early. It's going to come through. Come on, somebody. The way that Jesus responds in verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection. Everybody say resurrection. He says, no, 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 you don't understand because she was talking about one day in the future there will be a resurrection. He goes, no, 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 no. This is the whole point of why all this 
stuff happens. Because people have known me as a healer. I have healed, I have healed, I have healed. Guys, I went back and looked at all of the, the miracles that Jesus has done up to this point, and he has healed people. He has done awesome miracles. He delivered people from demons. He healed the centurion servant, a paralyzed man, a man with a withered hand, a demon-possessed man, a man with the, a woman with the issue of blood, two blind men, a mute man, a man who was crippled for 38 years. He had been healing many people, and people knew him as a healer. He was already known as a healer. But he says, I want people to know me in a new aspect, in a new way. I'm not just a healer. I'm about to reveal myself to you and the whole world that I am the resurrection. I am life. He comes to her and he says, Martha, I've got to disappoint your expectations so that I can exceed them. You see, if God always met my expectations, he would never have a chance to exceed them. If he always did what I wanted according to my plan and how I want it, he would never have a chance to exceed my expectations with his priorities. What's his priority? He's about to reveal himself in a way that nobody has ever seen him before. Listen to me. Every unmet expectation, every unmet desire in my life is a chance for me to get an upgraded revelation of who God is. Come on, somebody. You know how sometimes your computer slows down and it's very frustrating or your phone, you're like, oh, my phone is just so slow. And it's not because it's broke. It's because it just needs an upgrade. Right? There's, there's more software available. There's more powerful power available. And in this situation, Jesus is saying, you've seen me heal, and I love to heal, and you've seen me bless, and I love to bless. But right now, I need somebody who I know loves me, somebody that I know that I love who will love me enough that I can disappoint them, and they'll still love me through the disappointment because I have a bigger plan. Come on, somebody. This is what Jesus is like. I couldn't just do this with anybody, Martha. I couldn't just do this with anybody. There's not many people that love me like you love me. And so, you know what, Bartimaeus, I had to heal him and I had to do it his way because that's the place. And if I wouldn't heal him, he would have completely walked away. But Martha, Mary, I know that you love me. I know that I can trust you. Now, take me to the place where they buried. I was thinking about something that Paul said, and this is how I'm going to close. Because he said, I'm about to reveal myself as the resurrection. And when Paul talks about resurrection, he gives one of the most personal revelations about revelation, uh, resurrection in Scripture. And it's, we can put it up on the Sky Bible. It's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Because talking about unmet expectation, guys, it doesn't always turn out the way that you wanted it to. And listen, you're praying for that job and you don't always get the job. And you're praying for your son who has a terminal disease and he doesn't always get healed. You're praying for your marriage. That person who has their own free will, you're praying that they turn. The marriage doesn't always come through. This is life. Can we be real this morning? This is life. This is disappointments that come our way. And Paul says something that you can expect every time. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. 
I want to know Christ. What's Paul's expectation? Guys, he's writing this letter from prison. He says, even I'm doing everything that God's asking me to do, and I didn't expect to be in prison, but all I want to know is Christ. Yes, to know the power, look, of his resurrection and, everybody say and, because that's all we want to know. We come in here and the worship team starts going and we're like, yeah, and it's going to be okay. And you change everything. Yes, we want to know the resurrection power. We want to see the healing power. Paul says, and to know Christ is not just to know his resurrection. He says, and to participate in his sufferings. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. I want to go to another church where they just preach me happy and everything is just daffodils and butterflies and we tiptoe through the tulips and everybody pretends like they don't have any problems and we all burn out and we stop coming to church. No. I want to know the power of his resurrection and to participate in his suffering. So I don't just expect to know his power. I expect sometimes in life I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to have to go through sufferings. I'm going to go through sufferings, he says, becoming like him in his death. That's my expectation. But look at this. Verse 3, verse 11, chapter 3, verse 11 says, and so somehow. I don't know how. But somehow, attending to the resurrection from the dead. I don't, I don't know how. I don't know how we're going to make it through. We are going to participate in his resurrection, in the power. But we're also going to participate in the sufferings. And he says, above all else, I just, God. If you go back and you read the rest of the story in John chapter 11, you understand that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And, and it's awesome. Martha, she didn't know how it would work out. Her, her expectations are just shot. And then Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. It's amazing. I can tell you, nobody on the scene expected this to happen. Nobody had ever seen this coming. This guy was dead, 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 dead. He was completely dead. His spirit was gone. I mean, things are going, are, are, are going crazy. Martha is upset. You know, Diddy is like, if we go, we're going to die. Jesus is going to die. Everybody's going to die. Listen, Lazarus has been dead for four days. He's in heaven. And all of a sudden, he's like, heaven is awesome. Wait, what's happening? No. How? Even now. Somehow. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to make it through this. God, I want to quit. Are, are, are there any somehow believers here at the exchange today? Right? Like, like if somebody would have been through what you've been through, they would have pulled the covers over their head this morning and quit. But somehow you got here. Come on. Right? You were in the lion's den, left for dead with the lions. Lions licking their lips, licking their teeth, about to eat you. They woke up the next day. I don't know how. Somehow. 
right? They put you in the furnace. They left you to die. You were supposed to die. It was decreed that you would die. But you're here today. Come on. Stand to your feet this morning. Somehow. I don't know how. But even now, Jesus, somehow, some way, I came here to tell you this morning, don't quit early. Don't leave early. Come on. Don't give up on God. I'm telling you, it may not uh, uh, always go how you expected it to go. You may have been praying for something, and you don't understand why Jesus is not living up to the expectation that you have. But I came here to tell you, sometimes we're going to go through disappointments, but don't quit. Come on. Don't give up. Be a person that says, even now, even now, even now, all this stuff that I'm looking at tells me that I need to quit. And my emotions are telling me that I'm shot. And everybody else is wondering, why would you even get up and go to church and give God some glory? I I don't know about all that stuff and I can't focus on that stuff. But even now, come on, everybody say it, somehow, somehow, some way. God, I don't know your plan and I don't know your priority. And that's where Martha got to the place because he says, to her, he says, do you believe this? Do you believe that he'll be resurrected? You know what she says? Go back and read it. She says, I believe that. He didn't say, do you believe that? He said, do you believe this? She says, all I know is I believe that you are the son of God. My faith is in you. She goes, I've given up trying to figure out how this is going to work out. Because I wanted you to come a couple days ago. It didn't work out that way. So, 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 I don't know if I believe this, but I believe that you are the Son of God. You are what I stand on. You're my firm foundation. Even when other things are falling away. I want everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes for a second. Listen, I, I believe there's a lot of people here this morning that you've been living in a place of frustration. And you expected your life to go something way differently and you've been reaching out to God and you don't know why. You feel like Mary and Martha. Where are you? Don't let me down. I need you right now. You've prayed that prayer and for whatever reason, you feel so frustrated because it hasn't come through. God sent me with a message for you this morning to say, don't give up. Don't leave early. Don't leave early. Stop trying to figure out how he's going to do it, how everything's going to work out. That's not up to you. Just allow God to minister to you this morning and know that this ain't over. You're still here. God does have a plan for your life. And right now, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would just start to allow peace. Peace to flood in our hearts right now that we know we don't have to know the whole story. We don't have to figure everything out, Lord. We know that you are the way, that you are the Son of God, and we're not going to leave this thing early. Lord God, I pray that that faith that is inside your people, that you placed, it would start to be stirred up this morning. It would rise up, and we would know that we are more than overcomers. We are conquerors, Lord God, in you. And Lord, we start to take our expectations even of you and set them over to the side. 
and we stand on the foundation that says, I believe that you are the son of God. I completely put my life in your hands. And even if I don't understand what's going on, Lord God, my trust is in you. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my marriage. I trust you with everything. And although disappointments come, I'm not going to give up. I speak that over your people this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to the Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.